drifting again the introductory waves of autonomic nervous system today i aim to get into the greater depth and gain a thorough insight taking up a brief outline about the entric nervous system today's conference highlights going to be all about neurohumoral transmission allora come so let us begin welcome all to is pharmacology difficult podcast i'm your host dr radhika vijay mbbs md pharmacology and this is the audio hub to get the best simplified basic tips strategies methods and lots of ideas to learn better understand better and make your concepts crystal clear if you really find and if there's a question hovering in your minds is pharmacology difficult lend me your ears for a while and let in the magic of knowledge first and foremost a word about the entric nervous system it is found in the intestinal or the gut walls and you need to remember two special names which form its total composition the first name in this regard is the mesner's plexus it is submucosal and the next one we have is the orbach's plexus which is myantric now they both have their efferents and efferents and the fibers they are traveling in all the possible directions apart from having a duo i mean to say having both sympathetic and parasympathetic innervation this whole entric nervous system is independently functioning also in the gut well you can call it the brain of the gut the parasympathetic innervation of the acetylcholine increases the gut movements that is the peristaltic movements and the opposite is the job of the sympathetic innervation now here i want to talk about the heterotropic innervation yeah it's a new term and you will understand it when i say sympathetic fibers are all postganglionic but few may terminate upon the postganglionic cholinergic neurons also and that is why i call it heterotropic innervation and there when they terminate into the postganglionic cholinergic neurons they are actually inhibiting or stopping the release of the acetylcholine and the other ones they terminate directly on the smooth muscles of the gut wall other neurotransmitters in this entric nervous system they are serotonin dopamine cholecystokinin substance p and neuropeptide etc now as i told you the entric nervous system it also functions independently in the gut it monitors and regulates variety of bowel movements absorption secretion processes etc and that's why it gets its name enteric nervous system hope you understood the whole concept very well now let's quickly jump over to the major head of the day that is transmission along the neurohumoral pathway now first of all in this particular context i want to tell you when would you call a substance as a neurohumoral transmitter well actually it should satisfy few criteria the first one is that it should be found along with the synthesizing enzymes in the presynaptic neuron and once the nerve is stimulated it should be released okay so there are two criteria as i told you 
Its presence in the presynaptic neuron along with the synthesizing enzymes. The second one, after nerve stimulation, it should be at the same time it should be released. And the third one criteria is its effects should be either addition, that is potentiation, or antagonism of the other substances present in the synapse. I hope you got it. These are nothing tough. They are very simple. Now, you need to keep again some few important points. I should say bullet points in your minds. The first one is the chemical or the other words where I am referring the chemical here as the humoral messengers. They are released by the nerves at various synaptic junctions. That is fine. Now, I want to throw some light on the historical aspect of this neurohumoral pathway or the neurohumoral transmission. Well, you should know sir, the names of few of the scientists who actually worked their heart and soul to derive and discover the various chemicals. Let's quickly get to know about them. Okay, Elliot. Well, that's the scientist's names. He propounded the release of adrenaline-like chemical, that is the first aspect, while Dixon, he held high the viewpoint of the release of the muscarinic chemical from the vagus nerve. So we have understood the work of Eliot and Dixon. Now, later, a very prominent name in this particular regard of neurohumoral transmission is coming up now, Otto Lewy. Around in 1920s, he actually proved via experiment of the heart perfusions that there is, in fact, and in real terms, chemical transmission or humoral transmission occurring. That was proved by Otto Lewy. He labeled this chemical in his experiment as Vegas Toff. V-A-G-U-S-T-O-F-F. Hope you got the whole spelling and the pronunciation. Now, why did he label it as vagus tough? Because its origin was due to the vagus stimulation. Now, I want to credit another scientist, Dale. A very famous name. Yes, Dale who found this chemical acetylcholine in the parasympathetic nervous system while he followed his own experiments and let's together give the credit to von euler who found adrenaline as a transmitter in the sympathetic nervous system i hope you got the name of all the scientists we started with Eliot, then we got on to dixon then the very famous and the most important name the first most important name otto Lewy. then we have a very famous credit given to dale and lastly, I talked about Von Euler. Now, I want to craft the steps of the neurohumoral transmission. Well, you can make a flowchart along with me if you really find it interesting. Let me tell you about these. First and foremost, the impulses, they are conducted and the depolarization occurs. It is followed by the repolarization. Action potential is generated and propagated via the local currents the local electric circuit currents okay now impulse conduction blockers you need to know two blockers because we are talking about impulse conduction 
So it can be blocked by two names and those names they are tetrodotoxin, tetrodotoxin which is uh, derived from the puffer fish and another name in this regard is the shellfish derived saxitoxin. Now these are two compounds tetrodotoxin and saxitoxin they can actually hinder the sodium ion conductance selectively. The next step for the neurohumoral transmission is the release of the transmitters which are stored in the presynaptic vesicles and then they act on the post-junctional membrane. Now on specific receptors they are acting. Now what is happening later on? Either an excitatory postsynaptic potential which is abbreviated as capital EPSP. It is generated or another way opposite to it inhibitory postsynaptic potential which is abbreviated as capital IPSP. It can be generated. So either with the release of transmitter capital EPSP is generated or capital IPSP is generated depending upon the nature of the transmitter. Fine, let's move forward. Now strong enough excitatory postsynaptic potential. Yes, I'm talking about the capital EPSP. If its potential is strong enough, it further propagates the action potential. Now next step. In this regard, we have, that is the last step, the neurotransmitter action termination. How it is done? It can be done by two different mechanisms. The first one is the local degradation. Local degradation, well, very good example I want to give you is of acetylcholine, which is actually locally degraded. It is very short acting also. Then second way of termination of the neurotransmitter action is the reuptake into the pre-junctional neurons. And that occurs by the transporter proteins like the norepinephrine transporter or we have dopamine transporter. The norepinephrine transporter is abbreviated as capital NET. The dopamine transporter is abbreviated as capital DAT or we have serotonin transporter that is abbreviated as capital SERT. That was today's talk about the various steps in the neurohumoral transmission and how would you define a neurohumoral transmitter, the historical aspect of the neurohumoral transmission. Hope you all find it quite interesting. Yes, I always find the historical aspect very, very interesting because history is just like a story. Okay, one more turn and there then we will wrap up the introduction. And I will jump upon a new topic in this series of autonomic nervous system. Hope you are having a good insight and comprehension of the discussion yet. That's my goal. For all the updates and latest episodes of my podcast, please visit www.ispharmacologydifficult.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly e-newsletter of mine. Well, for your kind information... The January 2022 e-newsletter is out today in all new format design and I would really request you all to sign up for this e-newsletter. It's very very informative. It actually contains a lot of updates about medical sciences, drug information updates and my podcast updates also. You can follow me on different social media handles like Twitter, Insta, Facebook and LinkedIn. They all are with the same name. Is pharmacology difficult? 
If you are listening for the first time, do subscribe and follow whatever platform you are consuming this episode. Stay tuned. Do rate and review on iTunes, Apple Podcast. Stay safe. Stay happy. Stay enlightened. Thank you.